Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This morning, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm thankful to God this morning that we have children in the service because part of the text that we're going to look at is directed to them. God doesn't say, parents, make sure your kids know this, but He speaks directly to the children. And so I'm thankful for this opportunity to speak to you young people that this passage will be, I hope, instructive and helpful for you. And uh, it will remind you of the great responsibility that you have in your home to obey your parents. But also, it's going to be instructive instructive for parents as well. And, um, and certainly, we can all understand and see the grace of God through this relationship that He has ordained. So let me read our text for us this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. This is the Word of God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This passage is directed at both children and, I'm going to argue, parents, not just fathers. But before we get there, we need to see that that families who faithfully obey God in these areas, children obeying and parents nurturing their children, they are prosperous. That God promises great things for both children and parents. So we can break this passage very simply down into a command for children, verses 1 through 3, and a command for parents, verse 4. A command for children is very simply to obey. Notice the recipients of Paul's, of Paul's writing here, the very first word in verse 1, children. Isn't it interesting that Paul speaks directly to children? Sometimes we minimize the role of children within a church or within God's scheme of things. That, you know, God is reaching adults. God is all about adults. And children are just secondary. When they get to be adults, then God will start dealing with them. But no, the Scriptures are actually directed at children. So children, here's a specific command that God is giving directly to you. This is part of the power of the Scripture. It applies to all sorts of people. It all, all, all kinds of people can receive great benefit from the Word of God because the Scriptures are powerful. They are profitable for teaching and correction and rebuke, including to children. Now, we might like to ask, well, what kind of children, Paul, are supposed to obey this command? Well, we can assume that if he's giving the command and if children are listening, that it's probably believing children that are going to listen to this command. But I think we could probably include all children in general, that they are supposed to, they have a responsibility before God to obey their parents. Now, then we might ask another question, well, when's the cutoff? I mean, is it when they turn 18? Is it when they move out of the house? When do they stop obeying their parents? Well, we know at the very least it is when... For a woman, she leaves her parents' authority, Genesis 2.24, and she goes under the authority of her husband. And she, you know, in that 
text that says that she leaves and cleaves. She leaves the authority of her parents and she cleaves, cleaves to her own husband. And so we, we could say that at least it's there at marriage that they're no longer responsible to do this first part, which is simply to obey their parents. But um, we'll um, let you figure out exactly how that is applied. Notice the command specifically. It is to obey your parents in verse 1. Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, let me just help you see the structure again. We, I've tried to show you this as we've gone through, but in verse 18, believers are filled with the Spirit. And those believers who are filled with the Spirit result in three things or do three things. They sing. Verse 19 tells us that. They give thanks in everything. Verse 20. And then they are submissive or subject to their authorities. Verse 21. So now what Paul is doing from 22 on through verse 9 of chapter 6 is he's showing, let me show you some relationships where people are supposed to be subject to their authorities. Be subject each to the other. So for wives, you are to be subject to your husbands. We saw that a few weeks ago. And now we're going to see children. You are to be subject to your own parents. Or specifically, you are to obey your parents. And then the same thing with slaves in verse 5 of chapter 6. You are to be obedient. That's the idea of being subject. So we've seen that Paul is trying to show a larger point here that, that they have a responsibility, that children have a responsibility to obey their parents. This command to obey comes from this more general pro, uh, responsibility to submit to Authority And remember, to submit or to be subject means to voluntarily yield your contrary view to the will of another. So let me just speak to children specifically. Children, when you agree with your parents, that's good and you should, you should follow them. But when you disagree with your parents, you still ought to follow them. Because you have to sub- give up your your ideas of what you should do to the will of your parents. What do your parents want you to do? This is God's desire for you. So you have to yield to your parents. You have to give up what you would like to do for the sake of your parents. This is God's command to you children. Now, obviously, this is directed specifically at believing children. And the reason I think that is because unbelievers are actually described as disobedient to parents. Listen to 2 Timothy 3.2. For in those days men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. In a list of ways that we could describe unbelieving people, we probably wouldn't include disobedient to parent, but God does. He says that those who are, are sinful, opposed to God, same idea in Romans 1.30, is that they are disobedient to parents. And so this is actually something that is opposed to God and that is practiced by unbelievers. So particularly if we have believing children here, those of you who are believing children, when you are disobedient to your parents, you are actually living like an unbeliever. And so... God gives us a responsibility. God gives you a responsibility if you're still under the authority of your parents to obey them. You may think that obeying your parents is not that important. You may think that, you know, 
getting to a place where you don't have to obey your parents is actually a good thing. But, but for right now, the defining mark of a person who knows and loves, loves God is that they obey their parents. So for you, the most fundamental thing that you can do as a child, if you're a believing child, is to obey your parents. A person who doesn't know God, a person who, do, who hates God, is a person who disobeys his parents. To, just to give you an idea of how serious this was, in the Old Testament, you remember the punishment for a person who disobeyed or struck his parents? It was death. Okay, so that shows you how serious God is about this. Now, we don't carry that on today. We believe that that was for Israel, and um, that's not going to be your punishment uh, by us. But, but, but God takes obedience to parents very seriously. Now, there's a second command here that's really part of being subject to your parents, part of submitting yourself to your parents, and it is found in verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And then it goes on, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Remember, these capital letters does not mean that it's more important than the rest of Scripture. It just means that it's a quotation from the Old Testament. So if you look in the margin of your Bible, you can see where that came from. And you probably already know where it came from because it gives us a hint. Paul gives us a hint, which is the first commandment with a promise. He's pointing back to what? In Exodus chapter 20, he's pointing back to the Ten Commandments, right? And this is actually the fifth commandment. It's the first one with the promise, though, he says. So, obedience, I would say, is one aspect of honoring your parents. Your responsibility, children, is to obey your parents, but there's a larger responsibility that you have, and that is to honor your parents. One of the evidences of the fact that you honor your parents is that you obey them, but you can do more than obey them to honor them. You need to recognize, and we all need to recognize, that obeying our parents is a temporary responsibility. Temporary. What, what I mean by that is you only obey your parents for as long as you're under their authority. But this second command here in verse 2 is something that is permanent. We are supposed to honor our parents permanently, even after we're out from under their authority. And I would argue that even after they're dead that we can still honor our parents even after they have gone on into the next life. Let me show you why I say that. Turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, which are clearly out from underneath the authority of their parents at this time. And yet He says something very profound to them when they try to their responsibility to honor their parents. Look at Mark chapter 7, and I'll begin reading in verse 9, and I'll read through verse 13. He, he also was saying to them, Jesus showing the Pharisees their inconsistencies, He also was saying to them, You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. And then notice the same command in verse 10. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and... He who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything 
for his father or his mother. And thus, invalidating the Word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such things as this or as that. Now, let me just try to explain what's going on here because Jesus is clearly showing some, some major inconsistencies in the way that the Pharisees are acting toward their parents. We know that there's a problem because of verse 10. He says, Moses said this, and it is to honor your parents. Jesus, speaking to Pharisees, adults, saying, you need to honor your parents. So, Jesus takes that command that we just saw here in Ephesians 6, that command from the Ten Commandments, uh, Exodus chapter 20, and He's saying that that lasts longer than your parents. And what you're doing with it, Pharisees, is you're saying, well, I can't help my parents. All the money that I would give to them, I've already called it Corbin. Now, what would happen is they would have this oath that they would take as Jews. And this oath of Corbin, you, you can see it in the parentheses there. Mark helps us to understand what that means. It means that it's given to God or it's, it's set aside for God's purposes. So I have money. My parents are in a position of need. I have money to help them. But you know what? I've already set it aside for God's purposes. Can you, can you hear the, piet, the, the false piety just dripping from their tongues as they say it? It's all set aside. It's Corbin. It's all set aside for God's purposes. And so, now mom and dad, I see you have this major need, but I actually can't help you because all my money has been put aside for God's purposes. And, God, and Jesus says, you know what you're doing there? You're disobeying the command to honor your parents so that you can exalt your tradition. You see, God never said for you to set money aside to the exclusion of your parents. You did that because of your tradition. And now what's happened for you is you've exalted your tradition over my command that still is, is active. It's still necessary for you to obey now. And so that's why I say that our responsibility, you can turn it back to Ephesians 6, that I believe that the Scripture teaches that, that our responsibility is to honor our parents even after we're out from underneath their authority. 1 Timothy 4, you don't have to turn there, but Paul tells us there that there is a responsibility to care for a widowed mother. He says this, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. And the context where Paul's talking about here in 1 Timothy 5 is, you know, the church ought to step, a, uh, step up and help widows when they're in need. But first, let's make sure that if they have family members, that the family members are doing it. The primary responsibility for that widow, whether it's a child or a grandchild, is to care for that widow. That's part of honoring our parents and our grandparents even after we've moved out from underneath their Authority. That responsibility goes on for a lifetime. I would say it this way. Obedience lasts for a childhood. Honor lasts for a lifetime. So, I would say that this command here is directed primarily at children. Honor your parents. One of the ways that you honor your parents is by obeying them. But, the part, the honor part, 
is actually directed at all of us. There's application for all of us here that we are to honor our parents. Notice the extent of the command there in verse um, verse verse 3. Honor your father and mother, uh, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you will live long on the earth. Actually, look up in verse 1 where I was trying to look for there. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Paul uses this phrase, in the Lord, throughout his writings to show the importance of evaluating everything. In this case, obedience to parents. Everything ought to be evaluated in relationship to our, our, our relationship with the Lord. That is, children, when you obey your parents, you're actually obeying the Lord. Your parents are sent to you by God to be your representatives of loving care for your soul. Now, because your parents are not perfect, there are times when they may tell you to do something that is actually disobedient to God. And it's in that case, children, where you need to obey the Lord over your parents. So, most of the time, your parents are... If 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 I I would guess that most children in this room have parents who are believing. So if your parents are believing parents, they are Christians, then they're not going to tell you to do something that's disobedient to God. And so in that case, go back to verse one, obey, give up your contrary desires or ideas to the will of your parents. Listen to them, obey them. But if they're if perhaps your parents tell you to do something that is against what the Scriptures say, then you would obey God over your parents. For example, if your parents told you, you know, when that person calls, you answer the phone and tell them that I'm not here. Okay, That would be your parents telling you to lie. And in that case, you have a responsibility to God to obey God over your parents. But that's why I'm saying that for the most part, that's not going to happen. Your parents are seeking your good and they're seeking to obey God themselves. And so when you obey your parents, you're actually obeying God. You very rarely, if at all, are ever going to have to obey God to the exclusion of your parents where they've told you to do something wrong. So obey your parents. Recognize that when you do this, you're obeying God. That you're obeying the Lord. Why would you do this? Why would you ever obey your parents, especially when you disagree with them? Right? When they tell you something that you don't want to do. Maybe they give you some chores or maybe they require you to do something. Why would you ever do this? Look at verse 4 for the motivation. I'm sorry, verse 3 for the motivation. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Let me just give you four motivations children, for why you should obey and honor your parents. Number one, at the end of verse one, it is good, it is right to obey your parents. See that at the end? Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's fitting, it's good. We need to understand that God placing our parents over us is actually a good thing for us. You know, as we get older, we might think, well, I don't really see why my parents are leading me in this way. And if I were leading myself, I would go in this way. And God's saying, you know what? You need to trust me. I put your parents over you for, your re- for a reason. And so obey your parents. 
It's the right thing to do. It's the best thing for us. And we have to believe God over our feelings. Number two, the second motivation for why we should obey and honor our parents is because it's commanded. That's where this verse comes from. Verses 2 and 3 come from the Old Testament. It's commanded by God. It's clear in verse 1, but but the command to honor goes back to the Ten Commandments. This is not something that you know Paul just kind of baked up. You know, it would be more helpful. Families would work a lot better if children obeyed their parents. This actually goes all the way back to at least the Ten Commandments. Obviously, we understand that it probably went back, but it was written down at least there in the Ten Commandments. And the very first one that had to do with our relationship with others. Remember, the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And then the very first one that has to do with our relationship with others is this one. Honor your father and your mother. It's commanded by God. It's something that He uses to help shape you and to help keep you from spiritual destruction. So, so do it because it's right. Do it because, because it's commanded by God. And then number three, do it because it is foundational. Look at the end of um, verse 2. It is the first commandment with a promise. Now, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, there are other commandments with a promise, but this is the first one with a promise. This is the first one, particularly with regard to our relationships with other people, that has a promise. And the promise is given to us there in verse 3. And so what I think there is he's actually saying that this is the first one of, of major importance to us that has to do with the promise that God has given to us. And then that leads us to our fourth one, which is obey your parents, honor them because it is beneficial. It's good for you. Verse 3, so that, you may, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. God promises something to you children if you obey your parents. And it is that you will live a long life and that it will be well with you. That sounds like more than just a long life, but actually prosperity, some kind of prosperity. Now, there are multiple ways or a couple ways at least that we can look at this promise. You know, we can think, well, we know lots of obedient kids who have died young. And so this promise doesn't sound like it's it's real. We know lots of rebellious kids who live a long time, right? Who live longer than obedient kids. So I don't I don't understand how this problem how this promise works. So is this referring to you know you're going to live long eternally, or is this referring to you're going to live long physically? I understand this to refer to physical life. Remember, the promise comes from the Old Testament and Israel was being promised that if they obeyed, they would see the promised land. Part of the reason that the people didn't make it to the promised land was because they didn't obey. And second, I think it's referring to physical life because this promise is general. We need to recognize that it's general. It's not absolute in the sense that every single obedient children child is going to live long but rather in general children if you obey you're going to live a long physical life just like in Israel there were pre- premature deaths to obedient people and the case is the same today i mean i think there's a very helpful principle here that refer- that helps us in our own physical life that obedience leads to long physical life in general 
Children, you know this. You you know of children who disobey and can end up becoming, you know, alcoholics or drug addicts or foolish and careless people, all of which can shorten their lives because of their foolishness, right? And so we understand the principle. Children, on the other hand, who obey, they will stay out of trouble that, that, that can make their life less prosperous and more dangerous. Children who obey develop good habits of discipline that will lead to you know, having a longer, more prosperous life. Children who obey are children who know how to submit to authority, which will be necessary in every part of life. And children who obey live longer in general. Proverbs 10.27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So, we've seen our responsibility. Children, it is to obey. It is to honor it is to honor our parents. We've seen why we do that. It's good. It's commanded. It's right. It's beneficial. Now we want to see how we do that. And I would just say very practically that, that obedience starts with hearing. Obedience starts with hearing. How many times, children, have your parents said, listen to me? Or did you understand that? Or repeat back what I just said to you. Why do they do that, do you think? Isn't it because... Obedience starts with hearing and understanding. They want to make sure that you understand what your responsibility is so they speak it to you and they have you repeat it back often. Now the temptation for you as children is to be willfully ignorant about what your parents ask. You know, I I don't want to know what they say, so I'm going to kind of tune them out and then when they tell me that I didn't do something, I'll just say, well, I didn't hear you. Or, I thought that you meant something else. And so, as children, we can just use that as an excuse. And so, obedience starts with hearing. Obedience is actually helpful for you. It's a way that God helps corral you. He helps direct you along the path of righteousness that He wants you to go on. So, the first command is to children. The second command is to parents. Look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. First, we need to see the recipients are fathers specifically, but, but, but why doesn't Paul just say fathers and mothers or parents? Why does he say fathers? Well, what we need to understand about this word that's, that's translated as fathers, it actually comes from a word that means parents. It's used in Hebrews 11.23 where it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his... I mean, no one would say that Moses was hidden by his father, right? It's, he was hidden by his parents in general, but really specifically his mother. So this word can be used to refer to either a father or a mother. So here, what Paul is saying is that that um, that, that um, the children are to obey both parents and that both parents are supposed to guard themselves against the temptation to provoke them to wrath. So he's been talking to children that they need to obey both parents. He does use a different word here than in verse 1. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents. So that's a different word in the Greek language than verse 4, which says fathers. But that word I'm saying in verse 4 can actually refer to both parents. And so... What we learn from this is that that Paul is actually telling us, here's the way I would put it. 
Parents, especially fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That's, I think, the force of what Paul is trying to say here. And so we'll see this because I think while the responsibility is for both fathers and mothers not to provoke their children to anger and to bring them up in the nurture and discipline of the Lord, the temptation not to do this or the temptation to provoke them to wrath actually is probably more on the father than it is the mother. So there are two commands here. Let's look at them. First, a negative command. A negative command. Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. Then there's a positive command. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So first we put off something, and then we put on. And here's what needs to be put off. We need to not lead them to anger, to a place where we provoke them, or other translations say exasperate them, or lead them to resent you. Do you know, do you know what this is like, this relationship where a parent is so exacting in every single instant that he that he he leads his child to resent him. You know, they must obey me in in all these things. And so and so they're not very caring, they're not they don't listen to their children, they don't really love their children that much, and so this is not what the Bible calls for. Instead it calls for us to not provoke our children to resent us, to to, to anger. How do we do this? as parents. Well, I think it, 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 this provoking them to anger happens when we irritate them or give them unreasonable expectations. Did you have a dad who did this? You know, one who is always finding fault, always criticizing, one where you thought, you know, I can never do anything to please him. And Paul's saying, that is not something that should be a, a characteristic of a believing parent. So that means that we don't over-regulate their lives. Now, as children, as, as the smaller children, we do that. We have to. They, they don't have wisdom for their, themselves, and so we as parents are wisdom for them. We make choices for them. But as they get older, we, we start removing some of the regulations, giving them more opportunity and responsibility, and we don't, and we're not so exacting with our Responsibility, Because when we do this, Colossians 3.21 says it causes our children to lose heart. You know what that means? This means to give up. I, I can't do anything to please my dad, and so I'm just not going to try anymore at all. I'll, I'll go my own way. I'll just get out from under his authority altogether. We ought to show our children so much affection that they never doubt it. Yes, we want them to obey. We want them to be under their God-given authority, but, but don't let that authority overshadow their clear understanding of your love for them. Make sure that they understand that you do love them and that you're doing what is best for them. Let them see that they can do things that please you. Let them please you. Perhaps a, a helpful way to think about your responsibility is to try to make obedience easy for them. Show them love. Show them that, that, they, that you deserve obedience by showing them that, that you seek to understand where they're coming from and you seek to listen, you seek to care for them. This is going to happen when we obey this next command. Look at the next command. first one's a negative command. Don't provoke them to wrath. Here's a positive command. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, 
first, we don't lead them to resent us, but we bring them up in discipline. Now, those things kind of sound like they're at odds. How can we discipline our children? How can we not provoke them to resent us if we're also disciplining them? But the point is, is when we do discipline in a proper way, we actually are keeping them from resenting us. This responsibility for us to discipline our children does not primarily come from Proverbs. It actually comes from here. The reason we know we're supposed to give our children the rod of discipline when they disobey is because of this verse right here. It points us back to the command that was given in Proverbs. Here it is, the end of the verse. Bring them up in the discipline, and then we could say, go to the end of the verse, of the Lord. The reason we know that we carry out corporal punishment is because we have a command to do it as New Testament believers in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. You want to see what that looks like? Go to Proverbs. Use the rod of discipline on them. He who loves his child, Proverbs 13.24 says, disciplines him diligently. If you want, to, you want to show love to your child? Well, it has to include some sort of discipline. Proverbs 19.18, discipline your child while there is hope and do not desire his death. And remember that when you discipline your child the right way, they will not grow up to resent you. Many of you in here have had believing parents who disciplined you in a loving way and you at this time still do not resent your parents. Okay, that, that was a good and loving thing that they did for you. And so the same thing is going to be true about your children as well. And if you do discipline in the right way, showing them your love in your discipline, then they're not going to grow up to resent you. They're, you're not going to provoke them to anger. They're actually going to love you. It may not show immediately, but it will show over time. So there's two responsibilities in the second command. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord and then bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. So this is not only intentional discipline, but intentional instruction. This includes both informal and formal instruction. We've talked about this in Deuteronomy 6, 1-9. through 9. It says, you know, when, wherever your children are going, when they lie down, when they rise up, you know, when you're going for a walk, whatever it is, be intentional about your discipline. Be intentional about your instruction so you teach them to revere God. How do we do this? Well, there are... There are if, you, if you think about these two responsibilities, training our children in discipline and training our children with instruction, those are two responsibilities or two results of what the Word of God do. Think about 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is profitable for reproof and training and teaching and correction. So you have those four things. Two of those things are mentioned here. So what I would suggest to you is that very simply, model the Scriptures to them in word and action. And you, you instruct your children. You instruct them clearly from the Word of God. Help them to see the truth. But I can't impress upon you enough not to punt on your responsibility to train your children in the things of the Lord. Well, you may think, well, they get biblical training somewhere else, you know, at school or, or at church or something. And I hope that God is graciously working through those places to provide your children with training. But God is giving you the primary responsibility as parents to train them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Don't punt on your responsibility. 
And the best way that this happens is as we infuse the Word of God into them. We do that by living the Word of God out and we do it by teaching them the Word of God. Formally, you know, we sit down with them and show them the Scriptures, help them to understand them, and we do it informally. You know, just as situations come up and we have a chance to talk to our children, do it then as well. The best way to lead your children is by being real. Live for Christ genuinely. Don't put on a front, you know, like you have to be some sort of plastic Christian parent. Work as hard as you expect them to work. Be gracious as you would expect other people to be gracious toward you. Acknowledge your own faults. Your children don't need to see perfect parents. They need to see parents who are real, who love God and who love them. And so work hard at that. So, children, there is nothing better for you than to learn to obey your parents. There will be nothing that will provide more prosperity and life to you than obeying your parents. Learn to do that now. And learn to love to obey your parents. Why? Because God has given that to you as a responsibility. It's what's best for you. If you're a Christian child, one of the evidences that the Spirit of God lives in you is that you work hard at obeying your parents, that you are willingly giving yourself to their desires. Those who are filled with the Spirit obey their authorities. So, children, obey. Parents, your children need to see Christ in you. They need to see the value of obedience. Certainly, they won't see it fully under your care, but work hard at making it easy for them to obey so that they don't resent you. Because Why? Because you're treating them with grace. Encourage them. Don't always find fault. Give attention to them. Don't always neglect. Be as consistent as possible with them. In our relationships in the home, both Christians, uh, both Christian children and Christian parents need to have a long-term perspective. Children, it may seem like you're obeying your, when you obey your parents that it's never going to end. And it doesn't provide this immediate blessing. It doesn't provide any immediate results. It doesn't look like God's showing favor on me. It looks like I can't get what I want. But children, understand that and trust that God has what is best in, for you in the long run. So do it now. Obey God now by obeying your parents. Parents, you also need to have a long-term perspective. I need to have a long-term perspective. That our labor for our children may not seem like it produces anything. Like, you know, I keep telling them to obey. I keep trying to show them what is right, but but it's not working. It seems like it's causing more conflict, so why don't I just let them go? Again, Proverbs 13.24, if you love your child, discipline them. Train them up in the instruction of the Lord. God knows what's best. Trust that God does and keep pursuing what is right. Home life is a lot like a seed that is planted and that needs to be cultivated. It may seem like for days and months that nothing is happening with this seed. And all that work that we're doing to try to make sure that it has enough water and that the weeds are taken out and that the soil is proper and everything, it may seem like it's not worth it. But what I'm saying to you is that your job as a parent, children, your job as a child, just keep cultivating that seed like a farmer. And trust that God's going to bring fruit at some point. That's God's job to actually bring the growth. But you do what is right, no matter what. Ultimately, 
the relationship between a parent and his child or her child is a sacred picture. Just like we talked about with regard to the relationship between a husband and a wife, it's a sacred picture. It pictures something far greater. The picture It pictures the relationship between God and His Son. It pictures the relationship between God and us as His children. And so I would suggest to you that God jealously guards that relationship in your home. He doesn't want you to paint an improper picture of what it's like for Him to relate to His Son. And when you trust God and you lead in this way, parents, and when you obey children in this way, you show the loving relationship that there is between God and His Son Jesus Christ and God and His children. And you help to paint that beautiful picture that God is painting to, to be able to see that, that our relationship in our homes is not the ultimate reality, but it is God and His Son. It is God and His people. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for uh, being able to have perspective because if we were given to short-term results, we'd give up because there are times when it doesn't seem like like living in this way is the best thing. I, I remember as a child that I didn't want to obey my parents many, many times. I didn't see the value in it. Sometimes I disobeyed because I found value in something greater. Sometimes I obeyed even when I didn't want to. But You were gracious in using my parents to help shape my heart and direct me towards You. And Lord, as parents now, I, I see that, that parenting can sometimes produce long-term results that I want to see now. And so I pray that You give us the faith to be able to trust that You are doing what is best. And that when we seek to, as children, obey and as parents to nurture and, and train them in a proper way, that You will use that to help shape all of us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And that You will use our families to be a gracious and beautiful picture of what it's like for You and Your Son, Jesus Christ, to relate. Lord, we're so thankful that we can call You our Father. And we pray that we would recognize these these tensions and the responsibilities that we have so that we can better understand our relationship with You. Because as children of You, we, we think a lot like we did when we were children in our own homes. Like we could do it better than You. Like you're, you don't have our best best interests at heart. But we know because You are the loving and perfect God that You do. And so we pray that You'd help us to be able to learn and understand this relationship at home so that we can understand our relationship better with You. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.